Welcome back to Screen to Screen. Like the first segment, the second segment of this podcast will be dedicated to talking about award shows, but this segment will have a greater, more centralized focus on the film aspect. In that spirit, joining me today are the two film editors for the arts section of the Michigan Daily, Danny Hensel and Madeline Godin. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So... Um, like last segment, we sort of talked about the Golden Globes and our takeaway from the award show. Um, but this time I want to sort of talk about the film aspect of it. So what was your guys' takeaway from this year's Golden Globes? Was anything surprising, predictable thoughts? <laughs> I think the main story is uh, this little movie called La La Land has quite a bit of support from the Hollywood foreign press. They really... Seemed to love this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it won every award it was up for, which uh, was, ended up being seven, seven yeah. which is an unprecedented wow. amount of Golden Globes for a single film. And uh, there's not really much to disagree with, I think, at least from uh, Madeline and my yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. Both big fans of this movie. But uh, it's really quite stunning how, how much it cleaned up. And cleaned ceremony. up across... Um Categories, song, screenplay, actor, actress, director, sort of all your big ones that that are, I guess, indicators other than best picture of a best picture. Mm-hmm. And then it also won best picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Won best so, musical for, comedy. Yeah, musical or comedy. Yeah. I definitely think, you know, La La Land, I think, it, it's kind of frustrating at the same time, though, I think because it's almost predictable in the sense that La La Land is this movie about sort of a a modernist take on old Hollywood. And for a long time, like, award shows have given awards to movies that are about Hollywood. It's almost kind of like they're patting themselves on the back. Yeah, Hollywood can't resist itself. Yeah. Um, Um, But I still think it deserved a lot of merit uh, for just being a really wonderful film Mm -hmm. and for its music I think definitely deserved um best original score best original song um and I think yeah you know I personally would have uh wanted I guess maybe more attention to I feel like I don't know I feel like it's could be unpopular opinion here, but I think Probably. La La Land, in a sense, especially is, like if you're a Golden Globe, <laughs> yeah, I think La La Land, in a sense, is slightly overrated. I I think, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different opinions on it. A lot of critics favor it very much, but then there's a lot of backlash online um, about its you know lack of repre- diverse representation. And just, you know, but you know, some are valid, some are a little bit unjust. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that, I guess? I think it's an incredibly well-constructed movie, and I think that's kind of undeniable. Um, my perspective on it is that I think these voters are really recognizing a 30- or 31-year-old director's, like, incredible prowess. Mm-hmm. Um, if... And Damien, he's the youngest best director. Going yeah, well. yeah, I think that's yeah. true. And I think if he wins the Oscar, it'd be the same yeah. record. And okay. it's yeah. just—it's incredible that someone who is like literally within ten years of of my life can create someone mm-hmm. or something that is just so remarkably like 
well constructed um, and for so many people who have seen this movie a very powerful um, very moving film um, mm-hmm. it's really really incredible and I think um, I don't think that voters are really grading him on a curve um, especially because he has already had a really great film in the past yeah. he directed Whiplash two years yeah, ago love Whiplash. Um, which got three Oscars mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and a number of other uh, nominations but um, I think people are really responding to this this sort of movie. Um, there's a lot of nostalgia to it, but I think mm-hmm. people like to be nostalgic, yeah. um, especially for uh, especially for Hollywood and for the 50s and uh, 40s, um, which this movie doesn't take place during, but certainly alludes to um, mm-hmm. with its um, sort of large-scale um, musical numbers. And I think it um, it's really conscious about the kind of nostalgia that it's interested in and that it showcases, because it's not the kind of nostalgia where you're walking backwards. It's a nostalgia where you're walking forwards with your head over your shoulder. Yeah. It's like it knows the base that it was built upon, but it doesn't want to be that base. It just is really appreciative. It feels like it feels like a movie made by someone who really loves movies, A, but also appreciates that other people made great movies before him, mm-hmm. which is so refreshing in a type of medium where you get a lot of directors that are like in so many words like I'm a genius I'm doing this thing no one's ever done before I live in a vacuum my art is in a vacuum Um, that he's so not doing that in a way that's so uncynical at the same time like there's not I, I can't find any cynicism in La La Land which is what I think I found most refreshing because everything is cynical and nothing is just like nothing is willing to love without that like backhand of cynicism anymore. And I think that La La Land did that it's, in a really incredible way. It's sort of like Star Wars coming out in like the middle of the 70s yes. when every movie was so dark. And then we have this movie that's just like a celebration of like not like a celebration of life, but it's just so happy and there's yeah. a clear good team and a clear bad <coughs> team and things are very um, very neatly laid out for everyone and it's visual candy. Um, I think La La Land is also um, a good type of nostalgia because in the film there's a sort of debate that happens between um, Ryan Gosling's character who's a sort of quote-unquote jazz traditionalist and John Legend's character who's like a jazz modernist, you might say. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, Chazelle, who wrote and directed the movie, um, gives each character their due diligence. I mean, I think I'm not sure exactly what people are supposed to think of the song that the John Legend led band plays. Kind of like it. I <laughs> really like it. I think it's, it's one of the best songs yeah, in the really in the movie, like it. and yeah. it incorporates jazz in a sort of futuristic way. But I think that's you know that's like the value that it's upholding. It's a it's a form of innovation and. Um, and I think La La Land itself is a form of innovation that sort of treads in these old styles but modernizes it um, to, to create something new and special and different. And it might turn some people off yeah. who are traditionalist, you know, the maybe older folk who grew up watching those Gene Kelly musicals um, like Singing in the Rain in American in Paris. But for the, you know, for young people who... Um, you know, are sort of cynical about the world without movies like La La Land, they would just be totally turned off to musicals as a whole. People don't really like musicals our age, um, but people our age really like La La Land, and I think it's a good way to get them into that genre. La La Land, great film. 
deserves and, accolades. Yeah. And the Hollywood Foreign Press certainly agrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about the other big, sort of big winner mm-hmm. that night, Moonlight. While it was <laughs> it was nominated for six Golden Globes, it only won one, and that was for best uh, drama, motion picture drama. Um, for me, Moonlight was my favorite movie of last year. Um, and I just loved it so much in, you know, for so many reasons that I just don't think can be explained in a pod, in one podcast. Um, and I was disappointed in the lack of attention it was getting. I would say there was definitely a lot of competition, especially with Moonlight uh, being such a heavy hitter. Um, but I felt like, it deserved best supporting actor. I'm surprised Aaron I, Taylor Johnson uh, won yeah. for Nocturnal Animals. There's sort of a uh, saying in the, I guess, award speculation community that the Globes are going to globe, and uh, they always <laughs> tend to pick some random. Yeah, some there's at one le- award. There's that at least comes out one that's just like out of the what blue. The yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, and this was certainly. That one, Aaron yeah. Taylor Johnson. I remember when the nominations came out, people were like, "What? Like, is why he? is this guy nominated?" <laughs> yeah. And uh, the guy ended up winning. Kick so. ass and Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. Oh, if you guys remember that, those are uh, actually my f- two favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was really surprised. I I like came to the Golden Globes conversation as it was happening, sort of right as he won, um, mm-hmm. and or I guess right after he won and. And I was on Twitter, and I was like, "This is this is a meme. Like, this is <laughs> this can't be real. This is not yeah, real. Yeah. This works. I have not seen Nocturnal Animals, I so I can't it. make as informed a judgment right. um, about his performance uh, as I could have obviously if I had seen the film. But um, yeah. yeah, I would be surprised if it happens again. If he wins again at the Oscars, like I, I would be so surprised. I yeah. think Mark. Herschel Ali was, I mean, like you said, I haven't seen Nocturnal Animals either, so I can't really make a judgment. But I think Herschel Ali had like the strongest potential to win that award, and I think he totally deserved it. I think all I the acting so. in that movie, I mean, Naomi Harris was also nominated. She lost to Viola Davis for Fences, and Viola Davis is amazing, so. That made sense, but I think so good. Um, I have not seen Fences either. I still have to, but you know, the acting in Moonlight was one of the stronger parts, I believe, of the movie. And Mahershala Ali's performance was like, I think, the best performance in yeah, the movie. He was, he was exactly. astounding. And and Moonlight is a hard movie, I think, when it comes to um, award season because you have what I would agree was was the best movie of 2016 and. You don't have a best actor, best actress the way that you do um, in La La Land. And I think one of the reasons that La La Land won so many awards is that it it works so well in an awards show um, structure. Like, you have a best picture, and you have a best (coughs) actor, and you have a best actress, and you have a best screenplay. And, like, the problem, not the problem, but the problem with Moonlight in the structure of an award show is that you don't have those two actors, and you have a movie that is so reliant on silence. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. screenplay is harder to judge. More and of the subtext of it. It's yeah, and I mean it's beautifully shot. I think, and the, you know Barry Jenkins and Damien Chazelle are neck and neck for that um, mm-hmm. directing Oscar in my opinion. But 
it is a harder movie to judge if you're judging it within the structure of an award show. Yeah. It's also very hard because it's a triptych. It's yeah. it's a movie divided into three parts with um, three different main actors and um, it's those are just hard to sort of evaluate because they can often seem like three different movies. I mean, like, take another mm-hmm. movie this um, from this year, Certain Women, which is also a triptych, mm-hmm. um, that maybe is not gaining awards traction just because it's a much smaller, quieter movie, but, you know, it's sort of hard for any one of those actors to sort of, you know, start to build buzz because, you know, who are you going to, like, which actor deserves that most? Um, like, the you know, the... the the awards campaign by the studio is only going to devote the resources, you know, for what they think is, you know, has a chance of winning. And when you have like a cast with four or five potential, uh, or in certain women's case, three or four, um, really awards worthy performances, you know, who, who do you single out? It's really hard to make that decision. Right. Um, or, you know, you can try to have a, like a supporting actress race where you have four nominees in there from the same movie, but you know, mm-hmm. that's never really going to happen. Um, so it, it's kind of tough, but Moonlight is definitely a movie where, the acting was so spectacular and it's just, it's kind of hard to award it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it like might be like the Oscars might be better served with like an ensemble award um, Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Because that's a movie where you can really reward acting in the same way that um, you could give another Oscar to say spotlight um, Mm -hmm. last year. Or Birdman. Yeah. Where really the acting is, of the cast is like what's phenomenal, not mm-hmm. anyone in it's the particular. House. And they yeah. did win at Screen Actors Guild for that. Oh, or no, they were nominated. Sure. They were oh, Moonlight. Moonlight was nominated. Yeah. I don't I'm think not, it won yet. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't the side awards haven't oh. happened yet. No, they won some. <laughs> they won some. Yeah, cast they did. Award. I don't remember what it was, but it happened. It was real. Yeah. yeah. I promise. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think why, kind of like what going off what you guys are saying, I think one of the reasons why Moonlight probably is, didn't win as many awards for the Golden Globes, I think it's, you know, I think it's it, because it, it touches on a very specific topic and it, it reaches out for a very specific audience. Mm-hmm. I think with La La Land, it was a little bit more universal and that it was something that I feel like anyone could really appreciate, whereas Moonlight... I feel like Moonlight, the, the like message was universal. I felt like the themes were universal, but I felt like there was a speci- speci- specificity to the, the way in which those themes and messages were depicted. And I think often in those kinds of movies, it doesn't always resonate with certain people. I mean, this is just my guess because, you know, it's still, it's still received a lot of accolades in other award shows. Um, it won, I believe in the LA times critics circle critics choice awards. Um, it beat out moonlight or beat out La La Land, which is interesting because, you know, it, it La La Land takes in, place in LA. So it's, you know, yeah. but I, I still think there's, there is a disparity in the way both moonlight and La La Land, um, attract certain attention. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, it was the Critics' Choice Awards. Just, it was the yes. Critics' Choice Awards. Uh, cool. The ensemble cast. The, not a specific, but just the yeah. overall. Got it. Um, before we shift gears to the next part of the segment, were there any films that you guys thought deserved more attention, more recognition at the Golden Globes, at other award shows? Um, I... The one thing that was felt 
maybe reassuring is the wrong word, but I think that the nominations um, <coughs> in the Golden Glo- for the Golden Globes showed a little bit more expansiveness of thought of what it means to be a good performer or a good movie. There was a little bit... There were movies and performances that I think would normally be overlooked that were nominated. Um, Colin Farrell was nominated for The mm-hmm. Lobster, which I think was so <laughs> fitting and deserved. He was phenomenal in that movie, and um, Haley Seinfeld was nominated for The Edge of Seventeen, and she was wonderful in that. And those two movies, um, The Lobster being the independent film that came out in the beginning of the year, and, yeah. and Edge of Seventeen being the teen movie, even mm-hmm. though I think everyone should see it, um, are so easily overlooked by these sort of award shows. And I think that, that those two nominations in particular mm-hmm. showed sort of a change in what we're considering good um, that is really refreshing um, and makes me hopeful that like it's not just what we, you know, I have, my expectations have been upended in a really good way. Um, so I'm hopeful for the future of yeah. awards. Nice. I have, I guess, some more specific things related to certain movies, but um, there are three movies that I'm, I guess I'm a little passionate about that I don't feel like are getting the awards attention that they should. Um, the first is one that has already been getting a lot of awards attention, and that's Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. But it's been denied a lot of wins and some nominations yes. that I feel like it really Especially deserves. for that, the screenplay. The screenplay, the screenplay. should screenplay win every great. award ever. I think it should win Best Original Screenplay for the next like 20 years. I think it deserves more... Its screenplay, at least, deserves more attention than La La Land's screenplay. That I totally agree that with. That I would agree. Um, yeah. I think its score, which has been... Um, uh, disqualified from the Oscars um, to my knowledge um, mm-hmm. it, it was was incredible um, yeah. it has like a lot of weird like choral singing um, yeah. that's like a little like <laughs> eerie eerie but eerie, it's so it's beautiful ominous, and beautifully it's, ominous that's yeah. like my favorite and I would describe that the same with like Moonlight score too I thought Moonlight score also deserves obviously it's probably not going to win because La La Land score is like considered higher because yeah. it's a musical but I think Moonlight the score especially, Nicholas Bertel, who did such a phenomenal job, like, incorporated all these beautiful, like, strings and orchestration that just kind of flowed really well. So, like, yeah. yeah. I also think the cinematography was amazing, that movie, but I think the biggest crime is that, at least in this awards broadcast and <laughs> a number of others, um, Lucas Hedges, who plays the nephew... Was not nominated. I think this yeah. is the best really supporting astronaut like performance in the year. That's I, I like. It's incredible. He's like an eighteen-year-old kid who has a few acting credits before, but is including really Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom. And, <laughs> oh like, yeah. One, wait, wait, wait. But oh my god, wait. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but his one of his girlfriends played Susie yes. in Moonlight. Yeah. Moonrise Kingdom. That is where I was like when I was watching it. When I was watching it, I was like, "Who's this girl? Yeah, looks so familiar." And I'm like, the other day, I was like, "Where did she? Like, what happened to her? Like, I was so. (laughs) You know, when you wake up and you have that one weird thought. It was like I was so worried. I was like, "Where is she? (laughs) (laughs) Is she okay? She she (laughs) She seems great. She was great. She and the kid who plays Sam in Moonrise Kingdom are have a cameo in Patterson. I want to. I want to see that trailer so you can see it. Um, but Driver, Lucas Hedges, I'll watch anything he does. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> but Lucas Hedges and Manchester by the Sea is like the main f- 
focus of the movie, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Like, this definitely could be like a leading actor role. Um, and he's so good in yeah. it. It's it's unreal how how talented this kid is um, for like how little experience he has. It's just so believable, and it's really assisted by the screenplay, which is so lifelike. But um, oh god, I I just. It's it's unreal. Yeah. I was also disappointed that at the Golden Globes, Sing Street, which was nominated for yeah. Best Musical Comedy Motion Picture, was not nominated for a song um, award. Yeah, I thought every song in that oh movie my God. Um, I was totally incredible. Did not realize that. I totally agree with that. I think yeah that that was one of the most overlooked movies of 2016. Yeah, was Sing Street and it, the songs, especially like you said, like. Um, I don't know. Just the riddle of the model, the uh, drive it like you drive stole it like it. you stole it. I, I think, think is the one that's gaining. The I listen to that in my car. Yeah, me too. It's just uh, it's, it's so exhilarating. And I I have a feeling that the Oscars will recognize it. They yeah. actually nominated a song from Begin Again, which was the director mm-hmm. John Carney's yeah. last movie. Um, that yeah. kind of came as a surprise. Um, and then um his movie before that once um won that um Oscar for yep. Falling Slowly, which um was a pretty big song at that time. Yep. Um, so he has a pretty good track record with uh, that category. But I do think that this movie deserves more attention, both from yeah. the Oscars and from uh, real people. Um, and actually, everyone can watch it because it's on Netflix. Um, and it's uh, it's a, just a phenomenal, fun movie um, yeah. to watch. A great, totally, feel-good movie. I think um, I totally agree with all of that. Sing Street... You know, there were a lot of movies. I have a list in front of me of all these movies I saw this year that I, I really enjoy but that haven't really gotten as much. I would say, it. well, some of them have gotten a lot of praise but not a lot of recognition or movies like Swiss Army Man, which got mixed reception, but yeah. I personally love that movie. It's, like, beyond weird and totally eccentric, but, like... Daniel Radcliffe had, like, one of the best performances of his entire career. I mean, he hasn't had a big career with all what with Harry Potter, but I think this is, like, his best post-Harry Potter performance. And it's remarkable. It certainly leaves an impression. Uh, yeah. I am not as taken with it as other people, but I did leave the theater thinking that was certainly something else that will stick with me for a long time. Um, I, yeah. I like the movie, but... It was my favorite, but Daniel Radcliffe is actually very, very, very good yeah. in that movie. And I loved American Honey. Um, that movie won a grand... When did it win? It won an award at the Cannes or Cannes Film Festival. Cannes. Uh, Andrea Arnold directed it. Mm-hmm. She And it's just a lot of elements. This movie totally took me by surprise because I went in with kind of low expectations you know, it was this three-hour-long movie. Yeah, I did not know it was three hours when I went, <laughs> and I made plans. <laughs> and it has um, leading Hollywood actor Shia, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Yeah, my, so, okay, so my biggest problem with American Honey is not Shia LaBeouf, because he's wonderful in his... Problematic, but own yeah. really uh, singular way. Um, he's arrested he at my has grandma's a, apartment. And who's? My grandma's apartment. <gasps> Wait, wait. Not like her actual, like her oh, building. building. Not like, oh. in, yeah. Sorry. That, that, <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, in a He has place. a rat tail yeah. in this movie. He does. And it's really it hard me. to watch. <laughs> um, it's super like, gross. It's the best horror movie <laughs> of the year. Like, it's so His rat tail should be nominated it's, for best It has actor. like maybe a, a bead in it. Um, <laughs> it's really thick. It's so gross. It was so distracting for me yeah. watching this movie. 
um, which is disappointing because their other performances are spectacular. Sasha Lane was great. And she was like, Andrea Arnold like found her on the beach and was mm-hmm. like, yo, you want to be in this movie? And she was like, yeah. So I think it it totally surprised me in its cinematography. The soundtrack was great. You know, it was long, but I thought it was just like every single scene was just so visually sumptuous. The story felt vibrant. You know, the characters felt real. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I would say one, I would say two more movies that really I think should have gotten more recognition, but because I think in terms of the genre of these movies, um, it, it wouldn't have. So it was Don't Think Twice and yes. Everybody Wants Them. Oh, totally. I think yeah. both those movies were great in their own ways, and it's just kind of a shame that those – like I feel like – with Everybody Wants Some, it's a very specific kind of, like, bro comedy. It's, like, not a typical, like, critically acclaimed work. And it's mm-hmm. Richard Linklater, whose last movie was Boyhood, which was, like, his most critically acclaimed work mm-hmm. of his career. So it kind of makes sense that it's not being, like, recognized for awards. But mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, um, what's his name? One of the guys in the movie who's really good, he played... Forgetting his name, last name Powell. Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. He deserves He's some great. kind. I just of, wanted to be his best friend. After yeah, movie. and the screenplay, of um, course, Richard Linklater has, I think, is the best screenwriter in all of Hollywood, in yeah. my opinion. So, shifting gears a little bit to talk more broadly about award shows themselves and sort of where they stand today in terms of like their importance. So, I guess a question. Uh, I'd want to pose is are award shows still relevant or are they antiquated in a way and if they're important how are they important what do they contribute to society or to pop culture or to art Um, and if they're antiquated how can or how should the format change especially for film Um, yeah does anyone want to I think um, award shows are really valuable for highlighting um, certain talents in the industry. And I think that works really well with some of the below the line categories Mm -hmm. um, like cinematography and score and production design and effects. Um, I think without that sort of desire for achievement, maybe I'm just being cynical, but there wouldn't, be too like as much I guess of an incentive to be very inventive um, although I do think that people would just be naturally inventive but you know when you have people who are trying to best like um, Emmanuel Lubezki who's won the last three years um, for his work on Gravity Birdman and The Revenant all of which were stunning um, cinematography had stunning cinematography um, then like you get with, with that sort of competition, maybe you get like just really inventive work and some really beautiful stuff. And I think where award ceremonies can go wrong is when you have the sort of large scale categories like best picture or best director, best actor, where there aren't really as um, much clear guidelines. Um, so I don't really know how director is evaluated different than picture. Yeah, um, that's something that I find interesting going off what you're saying about the cinematographer is that I think that one of the merits of award shows is that they tell you that every not everything that you credit to the director is the director yeah which I think then makes the best director category muddier right you know because I think it's really easy to see 
um, a shot and be like, well, that's the director. Like, the director did yeah. a really good job. And it's not always just him. Right. There's a lot of hands on every movie. And I think award shows highlight that. And that makes their some of their categories right. a little bit. Like, I think a good bigger. example of in, of something where, like, the director choice, like, is very clear is... Uh, I'll just go back to Birdman because it's a movie that I enjoy a lot. But, um, like, the fact that that movie um, was filmed in or was appears to be filmed in one take, which was a choice made by the director mm-hmm. of that movie, that's, like, a very clear yeah. directorial choice that was done well by the cinematographer. And so you can um, sort of award both of those choices um, by with the director award and the cinematographer award. Mm-hmm. But like, do you have to like, does that mean that the films that win best director have to have that very formally inventive choice? Um, right. Like I, what, like, is there a movie this year that, that does that? And I don't really think yeah. like, how can you make the distinction is. between cinema? Cause it, cause there could be movies that like, cause director has many roles. Like it's not just like giving the cinematographer, the visual, idea of what the movie is but it's also directing the actors it's directing the sound people it's directing all these other facets of the film so you know you sort of have to play and if you think about you know there there are probably lots of movies that have great cinematography Mm -hmm. but like it wasn't really a good movie necessarily in terms of its acting or writing so I think that's where there's a distinction where um a cinematographer should be rewarded for the inventiveness of the visual look and the director should be rewarded for giving the guidance to the cinematographer in addition to fulfilling all these other roles. Yeah. I just wish we had a clearer window on what that process was for each film. Because, for instance, how does someone like... uh, uh, like Clint Eastwood or Woody Allen, who are both very, very hands-off directors, like, mm-hmm. how do they get nominated for that award when their method is kind of like, okay, we did a take right. and let's go to the next one. Yeah, some yeah. directors work And I think this year it's also interesting because you have a lot of directors that also wrote their movies mm-hmm. um, yeah. up in at that top tier um, yeah. mm-hmm. of movies and like right. that's even more complicated because you're throwing another hat on the director that's also um nom- nominatable and winnable yeah <laughs> um so it's just it's hard there's so many hands on every movie and so many of those hands overlap um that i think that award show structure isn't perfect but um i like award shows i mean i think that they they have value for a public and mm-hmm. and um in a way that it, smaller movies get a little bit more of a bump if they are nominated, um, which is not doesn't happen enough. But right. um, I I don't know if like the spectacle of the you know televised Golden Globes and the Golden Globes red carpet has any like moral merit. Yeah. I think that they're mm-hmm. fun. I really like watching it. I really like mm-hmm. watching the red carpet. Um, and on the off chance that they don't ask an inane question on the red carpet, it's really, like, fun to get yeah. all these quick yeah. interviews. Um, so I don't know if they exist for a reason other than that they're fun. And I think that probably if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have taken 
problem with something existing for just pure fun because it's I yeah. But I think that it's like okay that things can exist just to be fun and yeah. like it's okay for something to just like to have no social or moral agenda. Like right. if award shows are just fun to watch, like yeah. that's okay. <laughs> and I think there's just something nice about having just a group recognize achievement in their field. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I think if you take awards ceremonies with a grain of salt and you understand that it, it's impossible to determine objectively who is the best at any of these fields mm-hmm. and you just realize like, oh, you know, last year people thought that, um, you know, that Leonardo DiCaprio gave the best performance of the year and people like, you know, maybe like really appreciated him this time. And it's nice. Um, if, if, you know, someone who is maybe like a little less known, like Mark Rylance, that's a better example. Mm -hmm. Um, last year who won, um, the best supporting actor Oscar for, um, bridge of spies, um, who is until then like a really relatively unknown theater actor, um, really just known among like people who attend like London theater productions. Um, but his performance in that movie was, very, very, very good, and mm-hmm. um, now a lot of people know who he is. He has more job opportunities, so it's like I don't know. It, it has a lot of nice, like, kind of tangential side effects. Um, and uh, as long as we're not confusing the Oscars with the end all be all of quality, yeah. um, it's it's good. I think they're nice because they also serve as a time capsule. Um, we've learned about in a in a history class. We learned about the Oscars in 1979, rewarding the films from 1978, Mm -hmm. because the two best picture, leading best picture contenders were Coming Home and The Deer Hunter, which were both about soldiers returning from Vietnam. And it was sort of, these were like sort of the first movies about the Vietnam War. And it happened, Mm -hmm. you know, just a few years after that war ended. The, what the film industry decides to reward can really reflect on the zeitgeist of the time. I don't really think we're in a particularly defined um, moment of um, time right now. But if you look back at the 70s, which many people think were like some of the best um, years in film, you see a lot of very cynical movies winning um, those awards um, or being up for those awards, and that really defines what that time was like. Yeah. Um, and I think that's um, pretty neat in to, you know, to look back on in 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah, I totally did not think... Really much. I mean, I, I, I do like award shows. It's weird. I have a weird relationship with award shows. I, I like watching them or I watch them. I, I watch the Oscars every year, um, but they also give me a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just stems from a personal thing. Like, I get nervous when it's like someone's hosting and they make a joke and it like either lands or it falls. And sometimes oh, it yeah. falls and it's just like, you I know. I cannot watch improv. Let it's me just say that. I, I really, what? A lot of secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. But I think it also just comes down to, like you said, like the importance of the award show is, you know, really recognizing these group of people who, you know, worked really hard to create beautiful art. And well, it would be better if there were more artists um, and films that were recognized. Um you know, it's these kinds of films that could last forever, you know, that mm-hmm. could be a time, part of a time capsule, which, um, you know, I think is, I think is really important. Uh, the last mm-hmm. point I really want to get to, uh, before we cap off, um, Madeline, you sort of talked about how like award shows can be a lot of fun 
and very spectacle heavy, but at the same time, they can also prove to be sort of a platform for making political statements, as with uh, the recent Golden Globes, Meryl Streep uh, spent most of her lifetime achievement uh, award speech talking and very subtly, I wouldn't say subtly, no, I would say. No, I would not say subtly. No, pretty explicitly. <laughs> I'm very, pretty, pretty explicitly criticizing Donald Trump, and I'm just wondering, should celebrities use the platform of the award show to make political statements? If so, what is the best way to do that or the most effective way? And if not, why not? I... So this has been a, a big topic on um, social media, mostly Twitter, which is yes. what I do the most of. Um, it's like, should Meryl Streep have given this speech? And my issue with that question is, like, Meryl Streep can do whatever the hell Meryl <laughs> Streep wants to do. Like, she is the best living actress of our time. Like, she and she dedicates her Lifetime Achievement Award. Like, this is her golden moment. And she's mm-hmm. like, we this world is so fucked up that I'm going to use my a time recognizing me to talk about someone who's like hurting people but isn't hurting me like she is not getting affected by any of yeah. Donald Trump's policies like she is a very wealthy very successful white woman like she probably post menopause uh, sorry Meryl <laughs> um, <laughs> she is not being affected by his policies and she still uses her platform to say like look this is a horrible person doing horrible things and like I want to say something about it and I think that we have no place to tell her not to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if you have a platform and you're using it to promote, like, what she's promoting is kindness and empathy. And, like, people are attacking her for promoting yeah. two of, like, the most basic human values, um, which is absurd and also very telling of the, um, to not get too political, of what she's up against, yeah. what yeah. we're up against. Um <laughs> So I think, like, yeah, I think she should be doing that. I think that that's the way to do it is to frame it around, like, what what we're what we should be doing is is good and mm-hmm. like not like she's not attacking him just to attack him. She's attacking him and she's saying like, look, I'm striving for kindness and empathy yeah. and inclusion and diversity and like I'm against this person that is against these things. Um, I think is the right way to do it. Um, and it is disappointing that we're at a time as a world that an award show has to address this and that yeah. then backstage after every actor wins, they get have to be asked about Trump. Like, that's yeah. really shitty, but yeah. it's where we are. And I think that if you have that platform, you don't have to use it, but I think that it's a good idea, too. Yeah. I think it really depends on the audience and the speaker. I don't. Th- I think she like totally has a right to do it, and in a lot of circumstances, would probably be fine to do it. I'm just like worried that she's like preaching to the choir, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if anything, just like turning off um, support, like uh, his supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like that's really, I guess, a problem in the abstract, but I think just like as a rhetorical strategy um, or as a strategy to um, create consensus on an issue, um, like I don't think it's had the desired effect because so many people turned against her. And Mm -hmm. now I worry that those people who 
know are planning to basically boycott any of her movies will now just be denying themselves wonderful Meryl Streep performances in yeah. the future. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, that's a sad world to live in. That is a sad uh, world yeah. for those people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, so I, I, I think it's totally fine. I mean, like, those speeches in years past have um, been very powerful. I think when Marlon Brando refused um, mm-hmm. the, or not Marlon, no, I don't remember if it was Marlon Brando. I think it or was. Uh, when the, the Native, Native American, American, yeah. Yeah, um, when he refused the Oscar for, well, it must have been The Godfather. Yeah, um, best actor. For, uh, and then um, a Native American actor gave a speech and um, called for uh, greater representation um, in, in film. I think that was a very, very... Um, Especially for that time. I mean, like... Yeah. Yeah. And crazy. to have it be spoken to people in the industry yeah. in person, that's a very powerful that is. Uh, statement. Yeah. And I think that's a very good use of that platform. I don't really have any opinions on whether it's like a good or bad use of the platform in general, but uh, I think it just kind of depends on what the effect of it is. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I guess that's it. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. For really sure. awesome conversation. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So thanks. See you. <laughs>